welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome back to another exciting episode of I See Star Wars. I'm very excited to be back. It's been a while since we've been on the air, but like any great Star Wars saga, we have to take some time off in order for it to be fresh in your mind and in order for you to want more episodes. So, I am back. Uh, we're going to do episode 11 here of I See Star Wars, and it's called What It's Like to Be a Stormtrooper. The reason why it's called What It's Like to Be a Stormtrooper is because I am going to have on a little bit later my friend Bern Colasso. He came over to ICCC, the inaugural year of the Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention. He was an autographing guest star. He has been in like 150 movies. It's really crazy. His career has stretched 35 years. He's an awesome guy, awesome friend i have hung out with him we talk all the time now and uh he was also a first order stormtrooper in tfa so he will know what it's actually like to be a stormtrooper which is really cool so i'm really happy to be back i'm really excited to be back i think the best way for us to come right back into it is me to dive into your questions that you asked me on the ic with the ask mike section you should not have come back this section is when I write up a post, uh, I put it on the Imperial Commissary, and I also put it on the ICSW, IC Star Wars uh, Facebook page, and I say, ask Mike, ask me anything in the comments about me, the IC, the ICCC, Star Wars, anything, and I'll do my best to answer it off the cuff on the airwaves. I do not look at these questions ahead of time, so it's fresh for the show, so uh, all you wonderful folks who reached out about me getting back into IC Star Wars podcast, thank you very much. It is tough to imagine that folks dig me blabbing into a mic, so uh, it's very exciting. Let's get right into your questions. Uh, we're going to start off with the post that was on the imperial commissary just for the record the imperial commissary is the facebook the main facebook group it handles vintage star wars toys 1977 through 1985 and you can access it at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the imperial commissary so check it out join up if you're not already a member if you are already a member well, I'm glad you're a member. Thank you very much for being part of the IC. Now let's hop right into your questions. The first question is from Richard Hutchinson. Richard's, Richard actually has a really cool podcast, way better than mine. Uh, it's uh, the Vintage Rebellion podcast over there in England, and uh, I was on it once. It's actually very, very good. They're on like episode 950,000, and their episodes are three or four hours long. I can't even imagine uh, putting together something as large and on such a grand scale as they do. But anyway, Richard Hutchinson, give us the info for the ICC meetup in Chicago. Well, there's two different things. There's the IC, which is the Star Wars club that is the Star Wars club on 
Facebook, the Imperial Commissary 20 Facebook groups. We do the meetups. I'll do the meetup at Celebration. I do the meetup. I'm doing a meetup in Vegas in a couple weeks here. Um, stuff like that. Then there is the ICCC. ICCC is the convention which I am throwing in Nashville, Tennessee. We threw one back in September. It was awesome. <laughs> I will tell you about it a little bit later. And uh, that is a separate thing than the IC. The IC is more of a club and a community. The ICCC is a giant convention that club and community put on. So uh, anyway, the meetup in Chicago will be an IC meetup. So an Imperial Commissary meetup up in Chicago. I'm going to do it up at a actually... Uh, it was, I was originally doing it the Hyatt, the Hyatt Regency. Um, I have rented the place and I have paid for it and I have started to ask people where they're staying. Now that I've started to ask people where they're staying, very few people are staying at the Hyatt Regency. So I started looking into other solutions and luckily I have a friend up there. Uh, he's an IC, IC member, Mike Tommaso. I'm sure you guys know him if you buy any loose figures or box vehicles. He has tons. He's always up there at the Kane County show. Anyway, he's got a friend who is the general manager at a pizzeria up there. So uh, we're going to end up switching it from the Hyatt to the pizzeria. And the wonderful thing about this pizzeria is it's about one mile from the Hyatt and they have shuttle buses that go back and forth dedicated to this pizzeria uh, and the Hyatt. So we're going to set that up. All the information will be updated. Uh, if you want to join, if you want to come to the IC meetup at Celebration in Chicago, please just look at the top of the Imperial Commissary under events. You will find the event there. I want you all to come out. As always, it's always free on me. I will feed you. I will give you a place to buy, sell, trade, and talk. Um, I do believe there is a bar at this uh, pizzeria, and that I will not be covering because then it makes me liable. <laughs> and rules are rules. So, uh, But there will be a bar so you can bring cash and uh, have drinks. Uh, next up, oh, I still didn't tell you where it is. It is going to be at Connie's Pizza. Um, it's on Archer Avenue in Chicago. Uh, it was going to be at the Hyatt, like I said, but I did this poll on uh, the Celebration Meetup page and like 90% of the people aren't staying at the Hyatt. So I don't want them to have to go pay $45 to park their car to go into a Hyatt. Uh, next up. Mike, this is great news. Ray Schilling is writing. He writes, Mike, this is great news. I listened to certain episodes of your podcast several times. Loved it. I can't remember his name, but I particularly like the guest you had that had all of his carded figures rose deep on pegboard like they used to be in the stores. Uh, that is, uh, oh gosh, I'll think of it in a second. Good stuff. Maybe you can get Ian Sanderson for the next interview. He's always great to listen to and would be fascinated to hear you two bouncing all your vintage Star Wars knowledge off each other. Maybe even gather a group of vendors together to chat about the next ICCC. Uh, that sounds great. Ian actually answered back there. Not sure my wife would agree with that. I am always great for... <laughs> Not sure my wife would agree that I am always great to listen to. She never seems to. But thanks for the kind words, Ray. I haven't been on a podcast in a while getting withdrawal symptoms. Ian Sanderson, absolutely, man. Come on the podcast. I'll do an interview with you. You're a great collector. you got lots of cool stuff. I'm, I'm psyched to do it. I'll actually write you a PM after I'm done recording this. Uh, so there you go, Ray. Uh, yeah, we're going to get Ian Sanderson on the podcast. That's no problem. And uh, uh, he's always on the figure of the week. He puts up like he has like every carded figure and he puts up all the Kenner cards. For, uh, Jonathan Robinson. 
Jonathan Robinson is who it was, brother. Um, he's the one who has pretty much the Kenner, uh, the KB toy display in his uh, in his house. Next up, uh, Mark Island, Ireland. Mark Ireland. Missed your podcast. Glad to hear you have a chance to do some more. Yeah, brother. Um, wonderful thing is now this second year of ICCC, I have wonderful people helping me out. Uh, Chip is helping with the building of the website, and Philip is helping with the building of everything else. He's the con manager there. And then Mark is helping with the AV stuff, and we have Brent Winsett that's working on all the... Uh, digital advertising and stuff like that. We have Nat that's handling all the, uh, what's he handling? Security. Um, lots of stuff. I guess. Well, we're, we're really stretching out. We're, we're building some cool things. So it's very excited. But all those people doing all those things are taking a lot of things off my plate for year two. So that's really exciting. And it does give me a little bit more time so I can knock out a few podcasts. So I'm glad you're listening. Next up, Stephen Hopwood. Not a question, but I do have a horrible idea for a t-shirt slogan to pitch you. Are you ready? I see what you did there. Huh. That's nice, man. Uh, I don't know. Sure. I mean, I guess you put an X-Wing on it or something. <laughs> uh, next up, David Perone. What is the airspeed velocity of, of course, an unladen swallow? Um, this one we get every time I ask the what's mic section. So uh, we can we can do the thing. Is it African or European? You know, and European swallows are non-migratory, but stuff like that. But anyway, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I would say 12 ounces because, I mean, it's a bird, so it's light. Next up, Bruce Cousins. What do you think was Kenner's greatest achievement in the Star Wars line? Um, hmm. Let's see, this is what happens when I don't read anything beforehand. You know, you know what? Greatest achievement in the Star Wars line, I say, is the Imperial Shuttle. The Imperial Shuttle was a big, giant toy. It has wings that drop down. You could fly it around outside. It is obscenely gigantic. Um, it's practically a Castle Grayskull that you fly through the air. Uh, so I would have to say the Imperial Shuttle, I think it's really, really awesome. Um, I do think that the cases were really cool, the vinyl cases, how you could flip over the trays and there's peg holes or, or peg holders for you to stand your figures up on. I think a lot of the things that Kenner did, the little Easter eggs are wonderful, like Leia Bosch, how you can, uh, is it Bosch? Is it Bosch? Who knows? Leia Bosch. Uh, how you can hook her helmet and her gun onto the back of her backpack stuff like that I, I i like those little things that they did and it seems like they had a lot of fun at their job so i would definitely say the imperial shuttle because it's awesome and it's huge it's just so cool um next up david quinn what was the greatest lesson you learned from putting on the iccc and what was your favorite personal moment big or small from the weekend okay um what did i learn from iccc I learned that if you know absolutely nothing about Star Trek and you've never ever had a Star Trek um, episode that you've watched in your entire life, then you probably shouldn't get a Star Trek guest star as your headliner because you're going to have the wrong crowd. Um, I learned that Star Wars guys are awesome. I learned that some of these guys that come over from England that never get a chance to sign because nobody will pay for the airfare are incredibly more personable than some of the stars that you would think are. Um they hang out. They're nice guys and girls. They uh, speak to the fans as if they're actual human beings. You get really cool background information and stories. Um, so it's really wonderful having all those folks. What did I learn the best? I learned stick to what you're good at. 
and I'm good at Star Wars. And uh, even though there will be a lot of different genres, and it is mostly about vintage toy collecting, because that's what I love, and it'll be all different vintage toy lines, I think the guest stars will be predominantly Star Wars in the future. Um, the only reason why is because, you know, I want to meet Stormtroopers. I want to meet Biker Scouts. I want to meet Squidhead. I want to meet Max Rebo. I want to meet a whole bunch of different people. Um and ask him how it was to be on Star Wars. Shoot, I get to interview a uh, a Star Wars stormtrooper here um, later. That's what I get to do. I get to with Burn Kalakwa. I get to interview a Star Wars stormtrooper. That's awesome. Um, I, I couldn't even call up William Shatner on this podcast and interview him. I mean, what would I talk about? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, his second part of the question, what was your favorite personal moment, big or small, from the weekend? My favorite personal moment was when it was all over. Uh, <laughs> and not sounding like a pessimistic peapod, but the reason why is because finally I got to breathe. Um, but no, the best thing that happened was after it was all over, I was going through some pictures I had. And I was going through them, and I see this one picture. And it's my collection room upstairs. And I'm taking the picture. And in front of me is a Stormtrooper, Chris Bunn, who has not put on a Stormtrooper helmet since he recorded Star Wars in my collection room in a Stormtrooper helmet. And over to the left was Burn Colosso, uh, a Stormtrooper from TFA, Rogue One, uh, The Last Jedi. And he was a, uh, a citizen of Jeddah where they had the kyber crystals in Rogue One. So he's been in a lot of those movies, and he was standing there. And then over, uh, I have this table in the center of the room, and there's a whole bunch of, like, reference material books, like Gus and Duncan's book and uh, Steve Sansweet's book and the Potch book from Spain and uh, Daniel's uh, Top Toys Argentina, that book, and just the informational books, you know, and, uh, there's Steve Sansweet flipping through the pages of one of my books, <laughs> and then over to the right is, uh, Gerald Holm, who played Squidface and, uh, Iman Calamari in the Star Wars movies, and, uh, if you're from Australia, he was also the muscle milk guy, uh, but, <laughs> and he's standing there drinking a cup of tea, and this is a picture I took just sitting in my collection room where I've got an original Stormtrooper, a First Order Stormtrooper, Steve Sansweet, who I can't imagine anything in my collection that he would want to bother to see, but he was such a nice guy, and uh, Squidhead. And they're all standing in my collection room around my little collection of vintage Star Wars stuff, and that was humbling and mind-boggling, and at the time, I didn't realize... What a huge moment that was. I didn't realize it until I saw the picture later. And I didn't realize a lot of the huge moments until I saw pictures later. I'm standing there with Jim Swerge and shaking his hand in a picture. I mean, Sansweet, Mr. Sansweet. I called him Mr. Sansweet. And he's like, Mike, call me Steve. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I get to call Mr. Steve Sansweet, Steve. So I think that's probably one of my best moments right there. Uh, there's another question from David Quinn. Also, in addition to your podcast, are there any other collecting ones, especially newer ones worth downloading and listening to? Absolutely. My friend David Quinn does a podcast. You should definitely listen to it. He just started putting it out. Um, you will listen to it. It is incredibly more professional than my podcast is. But I do know his podcast is called uh, Star Wars Prototypes and Productions. 
I think it's, yeah, it's Star Wars Prototypes and Productions. Look up Star Wars Prototypes and Productions. I know it's on Apple, iTunes. Um, if you can't get it, just uh, write to David Quinn. The thing is, is you cannot match up this podcast against his podcast because his podcast is ridiculously professional and well done. And uh, this podcast, you're stuck with me. <laughs> but uh, it's fun to see me get tripped up on weird questions like uh, what the weight of a African swallow is. Next one, uh, Nick Meyer. If double telescoping lightsabers and the rocket firing FET would have been successful, what other innovative action features do you think there would have been cool to see from Kenner in future action figures, vehicles, playsets later on down the line? Um, I think the double telescoping lightsabers were kind of unnecessary. A lightsaber isn't even that long anyway. I think the regular telescoping ones look more legitimate. Um, I don't really know how that could be used in functionality. I guess they could have some sort of Dianoga thing where he pops out in the Death Star that actually looks like a Death Star or something like that. I don't know what the double telescope feature. Uh, the rocket FET? Uh, shoot, man, that's a limitless possibility. Everything gets a rocket. B-Wing can shoot. Shuttle can shoot. X-Wing can shoot. Y-Wing can shoot. You know, and you just put a, a rocket launcher in each one of those things. Absolutely. Um, for action figures, the thing that they missed, Kung Fu Grip. They should be able to do Kung Fu. You should be able to push a button on the back and they do Kung Fu. Not all the figures, but definitely the ones without weapons or accessories like uh, Anakin and the Imperial Dignitary. They should definitely have Kung Fu action. Uh, next up. Peter Sharp. Canadian Star Wars are better than American Star Wars. Prove me wrong. <laughs> um... See, I would have, you know, if I would have read these ahead of time, I would have been able to do a whole bunch of research. And I'm sure there's some tiny little thread in there I could pick that makes it better. Um, but no, I, I've got to admit, Canadian Star Wars, it's it's better than American Star Wars toys. Um, they have that cool Bespin set that comes with Boba Fett Ooh! instead of like regular Bespin that comes with not Boba Fett in America. Dengar, I think. Um, and, uh, you got the shoot, the three packs, the multi packs, the, is there an eight pack? I don't know if there is. I'm not a pro at Canadian stuff. Uh, you're, since you got to do French and English, the cards look really cool. The gear del etoiles or whatever it is. I'm sorry. I can't speak French, but, uh, that looks beautiful on a card front and on a card back. You've got a lot of pretty play sets. You've got a empire strikes back. That's how it is. All right. We don't have an Empire Strikes Back Sandcrawler. And the reason why is because what would a Sandcrawler be doing in Empire Strikes Back? That's how American Star Wars is better than Canadian Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's uh, Canadian Star Wars stuff has really cool stuff. And even with the transition stickers and stuff, you guys have some really neat, odd pieces. Plus, you got Yak Face, which is, like, awesome. Um, oh, less. There's a lot less Canadian Star Wars stuff than there is American Star Wars stuff. So that's why American Star Wars stuff is better, because more people can have it. <laughs> Next up, Jason Harden. Hey, Mike, or anyone else, what do you use for collectibles insurance? Do you just use your homeowner's insurance plan? Do you have it through a specialized company? Yes, I do use my homeowner's insurance plan. A lot of people will say this isn't the best way. But see, I have a lot of different things I insure from... Uh, Cars to vehicles to ATVs to art to Star Wars toys to, I don't know, 
pens, watches. I got all this different stuff that I insure. And as long as you break it all down and you have good evaluations, prices, and pictures of everything, then you can put it all onto your house insurance. And my house insurance is... I think we are farmers. Bump, 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 bump. And uh, they didn't pay me for that little pitch there. <laughs> but uh, I do know there are specialized companies. Um, I don't know which ones are great. I think if there was one that was the industry standard, everybody would use it and we would know about it. But I don't really think there is one that's the industry standard. And that's why everybody doesn't use a single one. And we don't know about it. <laughs> Uh, but when when push comes to su- shove, if the whole place burns down, I'd rather be fighting with farmers instead of collectibleinsurance.com grocery list. Steve runs it and will get you your money back if your stuff disappears. Dot org. You know, it's farmers. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, and I hope I never have to find out. But that is the shot I am taking. Um, next up. Raphael Pavon, why do we collect action figures? Um, I don't know why you collect action figures. I collect action figures because it gives me something to learn. It gives me something to spend my time and my money on that does not require uh, me to go out to bars or me to go hang out somewhere or do anything else. It's, it's a collectible that you really don't lose money on. Um, But the reason why I do it is because it is an escape from reality. It is a few minutes a day where you can walk into your collection room and you could be a kid. Where you could remember what it was like to be a kid. And that's really, really nice. We live in a very busy world. We all have very busy jobs. And we all have to work very, very hard. And what happens is at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month, you need five minutes to yourself. And if that five minutes can be spent learning about the different COOs on a different variation of a different figure, wonderful. It allows you to immerse yourself. And the thing about vintage Star Wars, what's wonderful personally for me, is there are so many different variations and stuff. You can't stop learning. There is never a person that has just finished learning, knows everything about vintage Star Wars, and they're done. There is no completion. And a task like that is wonderful for a person with my own personal personality because uh, I like to keep busy. And there is nothing that will keep you as busy as a task that can't be completed. Next up, uh, Adam Marks. What have you noticed about the prices of vintage? What is hot pricier now versus last year a year ago? What is cold cheaper than a year ago? Predictions for 2019. Um, everything is down across the board. Uh, the things that are up are anything that is AFA 90, AFA 85, 90 or above. Um, those things, there are certain collectors that fight tooth and nail for them. Those things are up, up, up. Um, some things that are... Coming down that I have noticed is everything. Everything carded is coming down. 12 backs are a lot cheaper than they used to be. Now, when I say a lot cheaper than they used to be, it doesn't mean that they are bargain basement prices and you can get them for 5 bucks a piece now. They're still going to run you 1000 to $2,000 depending on which ones you're getting. And even more if it's a really rare one. But as of right now... They have dropped in price so much that it is more accessible. If you just want to do a 12-back run and you can fit it in with C's and B's and A's and whatever you can get your hands on over time from just having a price point, you can do that again without without breaking $10,000. 
you can do it under $10,000 now. And you couldn't two years ago. Um, as far as what is hot and pricier right now, it's the higher end stuff, the rare stuff. Uh, Uze is hot right now on card, but Uze Loose is not hot right now. Um, vintage vehicles are hot if they're the small ones. If they're the big vintage vehicles, they're not hot. I literally, I have this ATAT I picked up here in a wild find. But to tell you the truth, it's just, it's nice. It's mint. It's got the chin guns. But I mean, it's maybe worth 200 bucks, and that thing's going to cost me 50 bucks to ship it. I mean, I'll just leave it in the corner. It's not hurting me here. So, uh, and what was your other question there? Oh, and uh, what are my predictions of 2019? Uh, the predictions for 2019 are as follows. Um, the new movie's going to come out. Leia figures will go up because they're going to splice in tons of footage of Leia, so those will get hot again. Um, when Episode Nine comes out, uh, also, Lando, I think, is going to be in Episode Nine. This is just me gleaning stuff I've heard third party. If it's a spoiler, I'm sorry. I really don't know to guarantee it. But I hear he's going to be in Episode Nine, so I'm sure those will have a little bit of spike to him. And as soon as Episode Nine comes back, if here's what happened. The Last Jedi came out. The Last Jedi was different. Whether you liked it, whether you loved it, whether you hated it, doesn't matter. You can't disagree that The Last Jedi was different than any other Star Wars movie. That being different, it turned a lot of people away. But it also brought in a whole bunch of new people that were casual Star Wars fans. I don't really think that the casual Star Wars fan is the kind of person that's going to go spend a couple G's on a Boba Fett card. Um, I just don't think that's the way it works. So those casual fans, they got. And that's why it has an 8.9 on IMDb and it made $80 billion worldwide. But what was happening is the core of the fandom was so angry about The Last Jedi and some of the core of the fandom, not everybody, but definitely loud, outspoken people. And personally, my personal view is, as long as they're making new Star Wars movies, great. I'd rather they make them one a year, so that way if there is one I don't personally love, um, I'll like the next one. But uh, So what happened is they come out with The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi gets received. It makes a whole bunch of money. Everybody thinks it's wonderful. Um, according to the media and Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, it's great the thing is is the the main star wars people we're not creatures of change we don't love change um and there were a lot of changes in there which pulled it a little bit away from star wars and it kind of gave you that feeling at least a few times where you're sitting there and you're going well whoever made this fine but whoever edited it or whoever was the guy that checked it first there was nobody that was a star wars fan that watched this movie until it came out in the movie theaters because there were problems you know what i'll go off on a little tiny tangent on the last jedi and believe me i didn't think it was all bad i thought it had good parts here's some problems just since you asked sort of <laughs> here's some problems with the last jedi b-wings we've had b-wings since return of the jedi the B-Wing carries a massive amount of ordnance, great missiles, great rockets, great bombs, blah, 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 blah. Squadron of B-Wings replaces whatever those bomber ships were from the beginning of the movie. I mean, they were giant bomber ships with, I don't even know, a million bombs apiece all run by gravity or magnets or something. I, what I'm saying is they went extremely slow, and a B-Wing, if you know anything about them, should have 
darn close to the ordinance of one of those uh, big bombers. And if it doesn't, then a squadron certainly does. And I don't understand why supposedly 30 or 40 years later, I don't understand why your technology would just completely regress. I mean, but then again, people used to be able to fly on the Concorde, and now it takes me seven hours to get to Europe. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe that's just the way things are. Um, but I don't know. That was a problem with the West. The other thing is, is uh, that makes me feel that no fan saw it is uh, at the end. The whole hyperspace thing, spoilers, by the way, um, but the whole uh, hyperspace thing where they like, we're, oh, we're going to take this ship and we're going to turn it on hyperspace and then it's going to magically go through things. I mean, we were just using hyperspace in the last movie in a different way than it's ever been used, which was we can go directly from inside a ship into hyperspace or we can do hyperspace so it sneaks through a shield and we can land on a planet. Those two things were a stretch, but saying that a ship going into hyperspeed can displace everything of another ship, I mean, why didn't you just have Luke Skywalker hop into his X-Wing in Return of the Jedi and just fly right into the Death Star. Turn on the hyperdrive. That's one guy. War over. It would have cracked the Death Star like an egg. So that was a huge mistake. And whether you like the movie or not, those two particular things right there just really make me feel like an actual fan didn't see it before it got released. And I really didn't like that. And a lot of people didn't like that. And a lot of people, not me personally, because whatever, they're making Star Wars movies, I'm happy. But a lot of people started voicing that opinion online. And getting very, very angry. And I believe, personally, that Lucasfilm saw these things and they were like, oh, we're taking lots of hits. This is a franchise. Lucasfilm, Disney, whatever you want to call it. This is a franchise. we got to keep the franchise going. We're taking lots of hits. We can't be doing this. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to pull back. We're going to bring in the director that the old school fans didn't hate. Because that's all that Disney can see is that we didn't hate that first movie. We may have had some problems with it, but... It wasn't like, it wasn't like the Last Jedi. Um, there was there was there was a lot of anger for the Last Jedi, um, so they want to bring it back to that. But the problem is, is they couldn't go into their next big blockbuster mainstream movie with a complete. How do I say it? A not well received previous movie. So what did they do? They sped up Solo. They slapped a new director in there who was awesome, Ron Howard, and I thought Solo was phenomenal. And if they would have given it its proper time and it would have came out last month like it should have, and it would have been our Disney movie for the Christmas season, oof, it would have been great. It would have been great. If you were one of those people that boycotted Solo, please go out, watch Solo. If you don't like it, I'll apologize to you. But I call shenanigans because it was funny. It had good parts. It had great parts. Is it a movie that's going to change the history of the world? No. But if I want to watch a Tom Hanks drama about, I don't know, the what is it, the Washington Post? That's what I'll go watch. I'll go watch the Post. But that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for an escape into a galaxy far, far away. And Han Solo, that Solo movie, gave me that escape. I enjoyed it a lot. The thing is, it got creamed at the box office. Because there were a whole bunch of people that were actually boycotting this movie. And there were a whole bunch of other people that saw The Last Jedi are not crazy fans like me that are like, I'm going first night, doesn't matter what it is. And uh, they said, oh, well, we'll wait till it gets out to DVD. 
And that's why its numbers were so very bad on IMDb and on Rotten Tomatoes all the way up until it finally got released. Now that it's on DVD and everybody's out there watching it on Netflix or wherever else it's available, it's changed. People are realizing it's a pretty good movie. It's a popcorn movie. It's a movie where you just sit there, you eat some popcorn. No problem with that. You know, I'm looking for an escape in my movies. But uh, it was not the end-all, be-all. It was not the best movie I've ever seen. It was not the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. But it was a Star Wars movie with a lot of fun parts where it kept to the traditional Star Wars theme. So, they had that run out in front of this freight train of fans that were crushing the franchise. So they put Solo in front of it. Solo got creamed by that freight train, but the freight train slowed down. And now everybody is waiting to see what happens in 2019. And if they come out with Episode Nine, and if it's great, and if people cheer when Lando pops on screen, and if the whole Leia thing that they're planning to do looks proper, and if J.J. can save it once again, then people are going to be very excited about the franchise again, and that's going to in turn increase the amount the toys are worth, like your original question was. Um, also, The Mandalorian with Jon Favreau, that's a big thing, but they're also trying to do this whole new thing where they're going to have live streaming video be the new movies so there won't be movie theaters. Give it 20 years and no more movie theaters. You heard it here first. Um, which is very unfortunate, but I sure do miss walking around a blockbuster with some friends and picking out a couple movies for the weekend too, but I'm not getting that one back. Next up, Michael List. Have you ever stepped on a Barbie shoe or a Lego? Yes, sir. I have stepped on plenty of Legos. Um, I don't have kids, but yeah, I do step on Legos. My wife makes Legos and the dog steals the Legos and I step on, uh, little pieces of dog bones. Like she'll get the bone and she'll rip off a little hunk and it'll be sitting in the hallway and it'll catch me when I got bare feet on next up Mark Kelly about time we got to hear your voice again question what are your thoughts on resealed carded figures original card back original bubble often partially sealed from production figures and accessories I'm more of a budget conscious vintage collector and can only dream of owning some ultra fancy figures pre-production or hard hard to find men on card figures. Is there a place in the hobby for resealed figures? Notice I am not talking about repro in any way, shape, or form, figures, weapons, bubbles, or card backs. Yes, there is a place for reseals. Um, as long as they are disclosed, they're perfectly fine. You'll find any of the Facebook groups out there will probably not give you too much of a, of a hassle if you're buying or selling or trading resealed figures. The reason why is some of these get so impossibly hard to find um, you have to settle for a reseal um, it's just the way some of them are uh, as long as it's the close as long as you're not ripping anybody off that's pretty much the the standard um, as long as you're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes you're totally fine um, reseals they can be told uh, if you're searching a card and you're afraid it might be a reseal it's usually pretty obvious once you've seen a few of them you'll get it all the time but if you're not completely used to it what I suggest you doing is going on amazon.com or anywhere um, and getting a little flashlight but a uh, UV flashlight it's essentially a black light or an ultraviolet light uh, they sell them for like five bucks and uh, when you put that light Put it on some of the carded figures you know are real, and you'll see the way it shows up uh, around the seal. And then when you put it on resealed stuff, that new kind of glue, the different kind of glue, really picks up the light, and it's super-duper bright and different, uh, so you can really look there. But as long as you're doing it all above board and, you know, you tell folks, it, it doesn't matter. 
it's totally understandable and it's a great way to attain some figures you can't really completely afford there's some stuff that's nuts i want shoot man i want a harbert vader or i want a harbert uh boba fett and i want a Bacano boba fett and i want a lily letty boba fett and none of those i'm looking at under 40 grand so would i take a resale absolutely and i tell anybody that wanted to know it was a resale but i mean it's darn close so i don't know it's definitely a great placeholder until you hit the lottery <laughs> Next up, Scott Sweeney. I am the proud owner of this business card someone gave me to ask you about costuming. You told me what you do, and I found a new interest because of your advice. I am glad I got to meet you at 2018 ICCC, and I can't wait to see you at ICCC 2019. Thanks for being a friend. Scott, absolutely, brother. Um, I think you mean my business card. That's cool. Uh, definitely costuming is awesome. Uh, we have 501st that come. We have the... Tennessee Ghostbusters, we have the Tennessee Cosplayers, we have a whole bunch of different associations that come and uh, cosplay, and you should definitely come and cosplay. We are going to have a contest next year at ICCC. I have put $1,000 cash aside for a cosplay contest. So we're going to go around, we're going to walk around and uh, judge the costumes, and somebody's going to walk away with a bunch of money. I figure we'll probably do like, I don't know, $700 for first and $200 for second and $100 for third, something like that. Next up, Drew Aggie. Do you know anything about the infamous green smock Ugnot? Is it a myth? I do not know anything about the green smock Ugnot. I am sorry. Um, I just don't. I've heard of purple smocks and blue smocks, and usually it's a, uh, a fading issue. Um, I've actually seen even half purple and half blue. But I have not heard of the green smock Ugnot. Maybe it is something that a mom made for a kid one day or something like that. A little uh, parent's customization. Next up, we're going to go over to the other list of uh, questions for Ask Mike. First up, Eric Nederostik. Hey, buddy, glad to see the podcast is back. Thank you, sir. Um, can you tell us what you're most looking forward to in 2019 Star Wars-wise? ICC convention, Star Wars Episode Nine, the movie, Star Wars convention in April, or the Star Wars Disney Park? Thanks for answering my question. Yeah, brother, um... I'm excited for all those things. That's wonderful. Um, definitely ICCC. Uh, the reason why is because it's the one that I'm throwing. <laughs> so, of course, I'm really excited about that, and I can't wait to see what it grows into on this Empire Strikes Back year of ICCC. Um, Star Wars Episode Nine. I am fired up for. I am so glad they brought back J.J. Abrams. I think it's completely ridiculous they didn't use him on the, the second one there. Um, I'm fired up to see what he does. I am really hoping it opens up with Finn in that back to recovery bag thingy and just like, oh, oh, it was a dream, you know, and then it all resets. That would be nice. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but I am excited about the movie. Uh, Star Wars theme park. I'm super duper excited, but I am a big person that doesn't fit on most Disney rides. And since they don't care because I'm not just wide, I am tall. Uh, since they don't care, there's a really good chance I'm not going to fit on that Falcon and it's going to crush my hopes and dreams. So I'm a little bit nervous about that one. But uh, if I do fit on the Falcon, super duper awesome. I'm still going to go as soon as I can get down there. Um, I'd like to get there as close to first as I can. So if anybody out there on the airwaves is a secret agent at Disney World, hook a brother up. <laughs> Next up, uh, 
Oh, and you had another question. The Star Wars convention in April. Star Wars convention in April, if you folks don't know, is the IC celebration. No, it's just regular old celebration. But uh, celebration is an incredible event. I had an incredible time last time I went. It's always an incredible time. The swag is second to none. There's cool things to see. There are exclusive General Giants and Hasbro's, and you will see all the stars from Star Wars, and I mean like Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Daisy Ridley, everybody. And the reason why, I mean, it's partially owned by Disney, so they're like contractually obligated to show up or else they don't get to make movies. But that's awesome. There is no more pomp and circumstance in the Star Wars world than I have ever seen than Celebration. And I am very happy to be a part of it. The IC, the Imperial Commissary, actually has a group table there. Celebration is kind enough to give us a group table. We are also doing the IC meetup up at Celebration. So it'll be a great time. I am really fired up for Celebration. Um, this year I have vendor badges. I had the the v- Jedi VIPs, man, and those really didn't work last year. But they were saying it's a pro- it was a little hiccup because of the three different companies, Reed Pop and Tops and... Uh, Lucasfilm all working together and they weren't communicating properly or something. But my VIP badges did not work properly last year, so I'll never do that again. But I will always go to Celebration. It is a wonderful time. It is a wonderful show. It is top notch. It is not anywhere near affordable, but it's affordable for a lot of people and it's a wonderful time. And I will always go uh, I will always go with my wife. We had wonderful times. I love seeing everybody. I love meeting up and people really do do come from all over the world. So I'm really fired up for that. Um, and I'm really fired up for the Disney thing where they like you get to pick what you are because I'm going to be like, "Listen, I'm Boba Fett." And everybody will be like, "Boba Fett." You know, and I'm I'm very excited for that. And I want it to be like theme rooms where I'm like a bounty hunter and I don't know. I I think Disney Imagineers can do some great things, and now that they're applying it to Star Wars, I'm very, very excited about it. Next up, Don Trainer, What is the status of your quest for a rocket-firing Boba Fett? Oof. I was hoping to watch that pile of cash grow until somebody decided it was time to let one go. Happy to hear another podcast episode. You were a mess. Thanks, brother. I appreciate the kind words. Um, what's up with Rocket Boba Fett? <laughs> what's up with rocket-firing Boba Fett is one sold for like 80 three grand on the Hakes auction and then one sold for like oh shoot I don't even know 70 grand or something privately 65 grand privately with like a broken tab um I don't think I'm in the market for one and I don't think if I added $500 to that pile every two weeks or whatever it was until the end of time I would hit that number so I'm hoping eventually one crosses my plate or I find one in the bottom of a bin or else you know Well, no matter what way you cut it, and I have said this to some people, and believe me, I don't mean to offend anyone with this, but uh, I'm 38 years old. And a lot of you fellows out there with rocket-firing Boba Fetts are about 55 or older. Um, Eventually, you're going to want to move to Florida. You're going to want to have a nice place on a beach with a golf cart. And you're going to beat me to that wonderful dream destination. And I am waiting here, and you all have my contact information, uh, for you to sell me your rocket-firing Boba Fetts. So once they drop down a little to where I feel it is a reasonable acquisition for someone in my position, um, then I'll hop on one. But it kind of went right out the window when they started selling for a hundred grand a piece. I mean, 
That's a lot of money. I, 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 I took all the money from that Boba Fett and I put it directly into ICCC because I want to throw a convention every single year for the community so everybody has one place once a year guaranteed to meet up and come together and be collectors. And uh, if that costs me a couple years on having that rocket-firing Boba Fett, that's okay. I'm not going anywhere. I'll keep collecting, and uh, hopefully it'll come across my plate one day. Uh, next up, Charlie Lord, non-vintage question. Do you have a UCS Millennium Falcon Lego? And if so, how are you displaying that beast? I absolutely do have a UCS Millennium Falcon Charlie. Um, I'll tell you what, if you shoot me a PM, I will find... There's a stand. I actually have, I have a sewing machine that's like this wooden cabinet sewing machine thing it's my wife's and uh it fits perfectly on that but that's not what you need to get they actually have this thing that attaches to it it's some display stand it builds with like the connects type pieces or something i forgot the name of it but i can google it um and it connects on the back of it and it holds it up sideways on like a i'd say a 30 40 degree angle um and that way it only takes up half the space it's actually a really neat way to display it i've seen it a couple times so uh yeah, just shoot me a PM, brother, and I will figure out what it's called, and I will get that over to you. Next up is our interview with the First Order Stormtrooper and the original Stormtrooper, Burn Colosso. The Emperor has been expecting you. Welcome to another interview of IC Star Wars. I have Burn Colosso on the phone. He is a Stormtrooper. So, we're going to find out what it's like to be a Stormtrooper here. Burn, hello, welcome. Hi, Mike Havens. It's a pleasure to be on uh, this um, podcast for you. Um, I'm calling from um, London in the UK. And yes, um, it's great to uh, be talking to you. Awesome, brother. Well, it's always tough to get to know somebody in a quick interview. So here at IC Star Wars, we do a lightning round to break the ice. Are you ready? Yes, yes, fire away. <laughs> What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Well... This is, I get asked that question uh, a lot of times, but for me uh, personally, because I got involved with Star Wars uh, in episode seven, The Force Awakens, where I played a general, it'll have to be The Force Awakens because um, that was my first time stepping foot on um, the space, uh, the various uh, uh, kind of sets. And uh, for me, it was a real honor to be asked to work in Star Wars. So it would have to be The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. I think you're the first person on here to say that, but I really like The Force Awakens. I like The Force Awakens a lot because it got my wife, you know my wife, Andrea. It got her into yes. uh, liking Star Wars and collecting Star Wars because she really dug that movie. So I'm very happy yeah, for The Force Awakens. Because they, they kind of like made it uh, very, very modern and they brought it uh, back, back into the public eye. And uh, basically, uh, from there on, it's, it's, it's got like a revival. So for me, uh, The Force Awakens really um, kind of like made everyone like kind of like aware that Star Wars uh, is alive and is and is carrying on, basically. So yeah, absolutely alive and well all these years later. Uh, what's your favorite Star Wars character? Ah, my favorite Star Wars character. Um. I think it'll have to be Chewie because uh, Chewie has always got some humor in, in, in that character. And uh, for me, it'll have to be Chewie because uh, uh, I just love that character. That's awesome. I, I figured you'd have to say Stormtrooper, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big cuddly bear, but um, uh, Stormtroopers, uh, yes. Um, I could say Stormtrooper, but um, I've played the, the, that character, that role, and uh, it's a very hard role to play because those costumes are very... Uh, 
to wear, very hot and uncomfortable. But hey, you know you're making um, um, uh, movie history by by playing even a smallest role in in Star Wars. So it's just an awesome thing to be asked to work on such an iconic film, basically. Well, uh, for your favorite, this is a collecting podcast. So for your favorite Star Wars toy line, from the old ones to the new ones, what would it be? Would it still be Force Awakens toys? such a big collection of Star Wars memorabilia that like yeah, I've seen your collection <laughs> from other Star Wars fans like, they're like big museums so um, <laughs> just a, probably a minuscule um, Stormtrooper here Stormtrooper there or um, I'm trying to get hold of my, my um, landing crew um, uh, role um, character that I played in uh, in uh, Rogue One so um, I also played that role so um yeah, I collect things that I've actually been uh, been kind of like a, a part of where I've actually played that role. Yeah, where they're you. Yeah. That's cool. If I had a if I had my own action figure, man, that's what I'd collect too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that, that's where I'm because um, I. Uh, but I've seen some Star Wars fans who, who have got collections that are like uh, are just remarkable, like your collection. I've never seen anything like that. I mean. Thanks, brother. Uh, and then there are, there are people who have got even more stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I met um, Jim um, at your uh, convention, and um, mm-hmm. he basically makes all the... He was involved with Kenner Toys. And uh, Jim Swearingen, yep. Yeah, he's a remarkable guy to, to actually <laughs> rub shoulders with him uh, at your convention, uh, ICC 2018. It was uh, an awesome time to be there, and I'm glad I was there. So... Um, yeah, you meet all these awesome people um, that you would never get a chance to meet. So, yes. That's very cool. Well, uh, here's the big question. Uh, versus, it's a versus question. We have the original Stormtrooper versus a First Order Trooper. Who wins and why? Well, um, <laughs> I actually played both characters. because uh, In uh, Rogue One, I played a, a Stormtrooper, which is from the old... Um, set of um, films basically goes back to time in time and I've also played the the, the new um, stormtrooper the first order stormtrooper but uh, I like both costumes but they're both just as difficult to wear <laughs> and, uh, but they look awesome both are unique in their own way and uh, and the helmets uh, what I can remember is you have to put them on sideways and then turn it around yeah <laughs> and um and you still get the pinching on on your thighs from the costume and um, <laughs> a lot of shaping of the skin and um, they're just as uncomfortable but they both look uh, look super cool when you're actually making the film and you see uh, the, the images of these troopers there's no other um, um, costume that will look like that I mean it, it's designed perfectly for catching the eye basically and, and it looks very military <laughs> So, but unfortunately, that makes the answer anyone without a stormtrooper outfit would win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, if, if you know me, uh, when I'm when I'm not wearing this um, stormtrooper kit, um, um, I've seen a lot of people they wear them as costumes, um, as cosplay costumes all day, and uh, and some of them have got fans fitted in the helmets. We had nothing like that when we had to actually use the costumes we just had to put them on in rogue one 
the helmet, the, the visor kept uh, fogging up. So you have to like put some spray in it to stop it uh, misting up, but it still mists up. And then you have to walk with the rain they create in the, in the studio. That, uh, that scene where the scientists get shot in Rogue One, that's all filmed in the studio, in Pinewood Studios, where there's rain uh, machines in, and we're up on a race platform so that we don't drown. But we still have to be careful because if you walk over the edge, you can drop and um, break your arm. Or, or, and with wearing that helmet, you can't see a thing. So um, I a landing crew as well in that thing where I land the aircraft. Uh, where the, the guys come out and then they interrogate the scientists, whatever. But uh, it got it got cut. It didn't, it didn't get shown, so I was a bit a bit disappointed in that. But nevertheless, I played a stormtrooper in that, and also I played a, a Jedi citizen in the whole new village. So I got to play a lot of things, and also all the area security running around when the ship comes under under attack. Some um, they they use me in a lot of different things because when you wear the helmet, no one knows who you are. Yeah, you can be recycled. Right. <laughs> You're in there wearing the helmet, wearing different helmets, wearing no helmet. You're in all, all over yeah. the place. <laughs> it's only when I played old air in security that helmet is open, so you could see the face. I didn't see myself. I think it was in the reshoots. And then um, in 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 the as a Jedi citizen, uh, you can clearly see my face when I, I'm with um, uh, in that holy village uh, uh, in that scene. Yeah. In the market, uh, where they buy the Kyber crystals and all that. Lucasfilm gives you a call tomorrow, brother, and they say you can pick the next spin-off movie. Which one do you choose? What do you decide? Which one do I choose? How do you mean which one do I choose? You can make any kind of movie, like a Chewbacca movie, or a Boba Fett movie, or a Stormtrooper movie, or the, I don't know, the Burn Colosso Stormtrooper versus Boba Fett movie. I don't know, whatever. That last one sounds, sounds <laughs> <difficult>. <laughs> But to be honest with you, Mike, uh, if Lu- uh, Lucasfilms called me um, and they offer me anything, I-, I would just say yes. Because no matter what it is, I know it's going to be um, an awesome movie because uh, that's what Star Wars is all about. I mean, chance to work on something so iconic is amazing. So, yeah, I, I, would, I-, I would just say yes, naturally. And then... Um, as the film develops, so you get to actually experience working with such um, wonderful actors and, and the prop, props and the set designs are usually uh, so amazing. But they do a lot of um, CGI work, computer graphic imaging these days. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what people's opinions are on that. But, um, but when you see the finished product, you almost don't recognize the scene because in, in The Force Awakens, that iconic scene where General Hux is giving the uh, orders, uh, shouting the orders, and all the troopers are down below. I play a general, and I'm standing up there as well in the ranks of officers and stuff. And um, we were just on uh, a raised bit of scaffolding with planks of wood, and it was up in an open field in the blazing heat. <laughs> and there was nothing there. It was just J.J. Abrams was saying, okay, you can react to uh, explosions in the distance, and... And we would have to like uh, wobble on our feet uh, when we get, get some explosions. But but really, it's all improvisation, and all that red curtain effect at the back is all CGI work. It's all green cloth at the back. Uh, that's incredible. All the all the designs on the floor where the, the the officers are standing on that's all put in. 
because it was just planks of wood. <laughs> I had to re- remove remove the scaffolding from around the the edge of this platform where we were standing when they brought the crane camera up, so they didn't see the scaffolding. So um, you have to be careful that you don't topple over. There is a there is a certain element of safety you have to be uh, aware when you're working on these uh, big movie sets. But, uh, it's just just um, incredible that uh, you're actually given a chance to work on something like that. Well, that's wild. Speaking of big movie sets, man, I mean, well, great lightning round, first and foremost. You did wonderful. But uh, speaking of big movie sets, you've been doing this for over 35 years. You've been uh, First Order Stormtrooper. You've been in Force Awakens. You've been in Last Jedi, Rogue One, uh, Wonder Woman, Skyfall, Spectre, Doctor Strange. You're in the new Men in Black coming up. You're in the new Aladdin coming up. You were just in, what, Mary Poppins over to the Christmas break. I mean, you're in everything. Uh, Hellboy, Dumbo. I mean, it's awesome, man. <laughs> What's it like just going to all these different incredible movies and you're just like, oh, I was in that. Man, if there were still blockbusters around, you'd be the coolest guy to go to a blockbuster with? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Mike, to, to be honest with you, uh, it's, it's really like a dream that's come true. I mean, um, I, I set myself uh, many years ago with the intention of working in films because that's my passion. And uh, when I first started uh, all those years back, it was very difficult uh, to actually get anywhere. You had to basically uh, work your way up because they, they wouldn't put you on these big, big films. So I had to work. I started doing unpaid student films to cut a showreel. Uh, sometimes they're paid, sometimes unpaid. And then I did a lot of uh, few commercials, uh, corporate work. Um, for the first five years, no one knows who you are, but you just beaver away, you, you, you take all the small jobs, you just try to get your name out there, so people then say, hey, um, this guy Bern Colossal, let's, let's call him in, let's, um, let's see what other things he can do, because, because without putting a showreel or without doing, a, doing anything, if you just sit back and wait for those big roles, they never come sometimes, so you could be wait, waiting forever. So uh, I just like to keep busy. I enjoy, enjoy myself. I have fun along the way. And before you know it, hey, you're in Seoul. Yeah, that's awesome. I also work in MacGyver. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I know. Of course I know MacGyver, man. I make a new car engine out of a paperclip MacGyver. I know MacGyver. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I worked with him uh, when, when, when they shot MacGyver here in London many, many years ago. And... Um, and um, Paul Thomas Anderson, I met him at a convention, and I said, oh, okay, hi. I went to see him, and he says, and I reminded him of that uh, underground tube train scene where we were going in and out of the train scene. It was something something, something to do with a gadget he had something many, many years ago. I can't remember the exact thing, but they brought all the catering down in the tunnel where the, the trains go, and they locked it all off, and um, we were doing the train scene in and out. And, uh, yeah, I worked on uh, quite a few shows with him. Uh, but, but then uh, I think they're bringing it back with another character. I'm not sure. Another another actor has taken over, but I'm not, not sure. But, yeah, he's a, he's a really cool guy to work with. But we were a lot younger than uh, I was a lot younger than him, but he was a lot younger than him. <laughs> then now. <laughs> then we all are now, right? Well, we all get older. That's part of it. But um, yeah. what was your what was your favorite role? Star Wars? Um, I would have to say um, Star Wars is one of my favorite roles because I also played a, a Spanish commanding officer in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, nice! On strike sides, and uh, I've 
also been in the two James Bond movies uh, where I played an MI6 agent in Skyfall, and then I was on the dining carriage with uh, Daniel Craig in Spectre. So, uh, Did you get any cool gadgets as an MI6 agent, brother? <laughs> <laughs> there was no nothing. Uh, unfortunately, you're not allowed to keep any any any, um, any gadgets. So, um, but um, it's just memories uh, you can keep in. It was very nice of um, the production crew to give us a group snap from um, Pirates of the Caribbean because when we finished, all the soldiers got in a group snap and uh, I've still got that snap from um, from Pinewood Studios. It was, um, it was a lagoon scene I was involved in. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, of course. Uh, from from uh, the water. That was all filmed in the underwater stage in Pinewood Studios. That's incredible. Use that as a 007 stage, so it's one of the biggest stages in Pinewood Studios. I'll tell you, I can't even tell anymore. I can't even tell anymore the difference. I mean, sometimes you can, but I mean, I can't tell the difference between CG and not CG. That I couldn't have... I, I figured you guys were, like, somewhere in the Caribbean. I don't know. Not yeah. Pinewood Studios in rainy London. <laughs> yeah, because they had... Uh, for that, um, that scene... Uh, the lagoon scene, the pirates all fighting and uh, the soldiers and whatnot. Um, they had a backdrop of a waterfall, and it looks so realistic um, in the studio. Would you believe it? Because it's a huge studio, mm. and you have that waterfall. And, and if you look at it for a few a few minutes, you think you're actually in, a, in outside, basically. Wild. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that happened on that set, uh, Mike, which was quite funny. It was like a classic comedy. So I played a, played a, um, a, a, a Spanish commanding officer and I was in charge of a group of uh, soldiers and I had to like uh, tell them to carry these logs because we were building something or where we basically the army were, were in, that, in that spot. So and then the director comes along and he tells one of the soldiers to go a little bit back, a little bit back, move back, please, moving backwards slowly to try and position him correctly for the for the, for the scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he wasn't aware that uh, there was a big hole where the mermaid comes out from. So he's going back, inching backwards, and suddenly he disappears in the hole, <laughs> in the water. And everyone, like, was <laughs> shocked. So then, yeah, and, and it's, it's dark, murky water. If you go in there and you don't know where the um, entrances come out or or the eggs, the hole, you can basically drown. So um, oh. quickly, had to, three or four guys had to pull him out because he had all the military costume and weighs, weighs a lot when it gets wet. Right. So they had to somehow pull him out uh, and then take him away and dry him for, and put another costume on. But then a couple of other people almost went in uh, as well accidentally. So uh, they, in the end, they came and brought a big board and they nailed it underneath the water where that <laughs> hole was. So people... Well, they screwed it down so that they won't have any more accidents. That's why it's important when you're working on these sets that you follow instructions. They say, don't do that, don't do that. It's for a reason. Right. So if you if you wandered onto that set and you didn't know there was a hole there and you just went in there by yourself or without anyone and you fell in there, uh, no one would know you were in there. Right, and they find you a couple of days later. <laughs> yeah, it's an underwater tank, huge underwater tank. Um, and uh, that's what they how they do all these scenes. So um, it's there. It's one of the the biggest stages. And on top of that, they film 007 um, 
you found a lot of things there, and Star Wars and all sorts of things. So um, there's a new Carrie Fisher Studios that's opened up in mem- in remembrance of Carrie Fisher across the road. Oh, neat. Uh, yeah, they've opened up a new set, uh, kind of like huge, huge studios, like the size of hangars, basically. Um, you know, the aircraft hangars. Yeah. Uh, basically, all these new studios. Uh, so they're basically um, going to be filming a lot more, more um, big blockbuster films in Pinewood, and uh, as well as at uh, Watford Studios. Well, there you uh, go, it's, brother. It sounds like you're going to keep busy. <laughs> yeah, well, you're on the list. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my passions. I work continuously so hard for a long time. It's only recently I started coming out to conventions, and I owe it all to Star Wars because. It's the fans, the fans that support Star Wars. I never knew there's such a big Star, Star Wars fan base until I came out to one convention and I thought, hey, this is so great. People really appreciate it and you can feel the love for anything you do in Star Wars. So I really appreciate the fans. Whenever I come, I love to chat to the fans, answer any of their questions. And they know more about the film uh, than um, actually... Uh, Someone like myself was actually worked on the film. Yeah. They, they pay so much attention to the detail, and they're asking me questions. How does that costume bit fit onto that? And <laughs> for me, I just go in. It's, it's a day's work, and um, I get dressed. Someone there's a costume um, uh, um, person who comes and helps you get the costume on because you can't put most of that costume on yourself, so you have to be strapped in and helped because uh, once you put that kit on you can't even put your, your boots on and socks <laughs> so, um, because it's very restrictive the, um, the st- I'm talking about the stormtrooper kit now. so um, in Rogue One um, we had um, to wear a wetsuit underneath um, all that uh, the plastic and the neoprene mm-hmm. because uh, the re- wet rainy planet scene that someone t- advised me when, when you put the wetsuit on make sure <laughs> It comes in two pieces, the bottom half and the top half. Make sure you keep the bottom half a bit lower so if you want to go to the toilet, you can go for a, for a pee um, because it, um, it's low down. But if you put it high up on your waist, then you can't obviously go. So <laughs> someone gave me a good tip. So I remember that when I, when I was dressing, I, I kept it low down. And there's all these little, little tips you pick up from uh, other, your other actors that you work with. So um, also I moisturize my skin. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it doesn't cook from, uh, from all the heat or wearing that costume. And also the other thing is uh, I used to train myself to go and get my, my uh, um, you know, uh, basically I, I used to go to the toilet very early so I didn't have to go when I went on set. Because right. once you put the costume on, you have to stay in that costume almost for the entire day. <laughs> so, so you can only eat a little bit and... Uh, and basically, you have to um, you have to just enjoy the experience. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun, and um, it's really, really um, an experience. Um, and I was just glad to be picked to play those roles. Well, you um, came out. Uh, you came out last year. We throw a convention, the ICCC, the Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention, and you came out. You were one of our guest stars last year. And one thing that I heard from everybody who met you was you were so personable, and you talked about things. And if they had questions, you answered them. And that kind of stuff, man, is so much more important. That's what I really loved about you. And that's why did you did you like ICCC? I, I thoroughly enjoyed coming to uh, 
Nashville and ICC 2018. It was my first ever convention in the United States, and I was looking forward to it, and it delivered everything what I expected of a convention. The fans were brilliant. The organization was brilliant. Um, everything went superbly well. I mean, um, what more can I say? Um, I love it. That's enough for me, brother. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and um, I, I don't have anything uh, anything negative to say about that. Uh, only positive things. Um, people were really awesome to meet, and um, the other guest stars also were awesome. And the props and uh, all the traders I enjoyed. I met some of the traders at the parties afterwards. Um, everyone was so cool and so friendly and nice. And that's what it's all about. It's about sharing and. Uh, and giving something to each other and uh, supporting each other. Perfect, and exactly. That's why, I like come, that's why I like to come and meet the fans because um, I've done quite a few conventions now in, in the UK, in France, in Germany, in the Netherlands. Um, but that was my first convention, ICC 2018, and I've got some fond memories and some fond pictures. And um, one of the greatest uh, guests I met there was uh, Sam Jones. Yeah. He's such a cool guy. I've never, never. Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah, Flash, Flash Gordon. I mean, um, he was one of the coolest guys you could meet, and um, we still keep in touch. Um, so, uh, and I think he's coming to a couple of conventions in the UK, so uh, I probably may meet up with him if, if I get a chance. To. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> but, but yeah, to, to meet these iconic people, although I've worked in movies, they even uh, worked on movies that. When I was a kid, I watched so, um, and uh, and I really appreciate uh, him being so genuine and nice. Uh, so it's uh, I can so I can see from a fan's point of view when they come and meet me or they meet another one. Uh, I can uh, I can appreciate uh, what they're feeling like. So it's nice to to just be genuine and. Show them a nice time. That's that's what I'm all about. It's awesome. Yep, and that's all I heard. That's all I heard from you. Um, that's all I heard from people that hung out with you too. Um, Sam Jones also great guy. Um, all the guest stars. I got really good feedback as how nice you guys are and how approachable you really are. Um, yeah. Well, this is a Star Wars collectors podcast. So, like the ICCC, that's a collectors convention. I have to ask you: Do you collect anything Star Wars? I know you said you had a couple stormtroopers mixed into the mix somewhere. I've got my ICC 2018 <laughs> VIP cap. <laughs> That's that is definitely something Star Wars that qualifies. <laughs> and I've got I've got my uh, my blue famous jacket, my con jacket with all the um, the, the patches which I collect, I suppose. So um, yeah. yes. If you happen to run into Burn, um, bring him a patch. He likes patches. He has an awesome jacket. It's covered in all the coolest patches you've ever seen. Um, yeah, so, um, and, and that, that's um, a jacket you can take anyway. You can just roll it up, put it in your bag. Yeah. With other things, you have to be so careful and delicate. Uh, yeah, they might break. So with that jacket, uh, I can go anywhere and just take it out at any time. And hey, people instantly connect with me when they see the the Star Wars uh, symbols, yeah. and they know. <laughs> so that's that's uh, that's really what I collect, really. and uh, I collect photographs of, of people I've, I've met. Oh, nice! So that's good. So, yeah, uh, good me memories. Um, simple things that don't have to cost that much. 
Right. No, that's that's the best parts of a collection, man. It could be absolutely anything as long as it means something to the person collecting it. Um, yeah. If you uh, here's a fun one. If you could if you could keep just one prop from all the movies you've been in. Now, what would you want to keep? Now, I saw one one shot there on your Facebook page where you're being like an eccentric billionaire or something and you had a really cool car, man. Would that be it? <laughs> you're talking i think i've seen it on motorcycle helmets before where it's the two really heavy magnets that click together they're almost yeah. like a button they're, they're kind of permanent yeah so yeah. um it clips in there because they only had one size and uh it was either that or or, or basically you, you, you can't you, you can't get the roll so i had to put up with it being a bit, a bit tight on my face <laughs> but it looked awesome that that, that costume and i i loved running down that platform um Airstrip. Uh-huh. Actually, I, I, me and this other actor, we both run down the, in front of the stormtroopers. We run down um, and we bring that uh, aircraft down with our glow sticks and we land it. But um, in that rainy planet scene, but it didn't get get shown. We took uh, quite a few days to do that, and I was surprised they didn't actually show it. They just cut straight to them coming down down the ramp and interrogating me. Right. That's wild. Imagine how much stuff they don't actually use. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, so I can imagine uh, the, the fans, uh, when, when they, they somebody asks me, uh, oh, are you in this movie? Are you in that movie? That usually because they spend so much time and effort and money and they don't want any leaks. Uh, with me, I, I, I work for Disney a lot. Uh, so And the reason why I keep working is because I never reveal, reveal the, the plot because they're spending zillions of um, dollars um, oh yeah movies. and they don't want uh, people to leak the plot before it's out and I can understand that if it was my movie I wouldn't want the plot leaked before uh, that you get something because it spoils it for everyone but, yeah. but you can see see the fans anticipation they all want to know so I can also see it from that point of view but uh, yeah some things you just can't say <clears throat> well I'll say it for you you are the new Mandalorian no yeah <laughs> 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 No, I'm just kidding. If that is real, I don't know that Disney. I'm just making jokes. But uh, <laughs> so, brother, uh, what was your favorite part of being in a Star Wars movie? My favorite part. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing about it? Is it the fans? Is it the outfit? Is it working at Pinewood? Is it 
learning the secret trick to keep your pants low so you could go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's all of those things, Mike. All of those things. <laughs> uh, because um, without knowing all that knowledge, um, you you kind of like don't survive. You have to. It's not easy because when you play a stormtrooper, it's like a military role. So when I, when I actually um, got that role, before that we had to be uh, assessed in the field, running around in the blazing heat, uh, falling down, playing dead, and then uh, they bring in military guys to assess you whether you can do it. And then right at the end, they bring you the chest plate. It's like the glass slipper in Cinderella. Does it fit you or does it not fit you? If it doesn't fit you, you're not coming in. Oh, <laughs> so, wild. So yeah, so um, they assess you in the field by the military guy because you're, you're playing like a soldier, so you have to be able to uh, carry that uh, costume around in the heat and uh, and not collapse. Um, in the Last Jedi, they um yeah, and, um, I think you've seen that. Uh, may have seen the video where I'm talking about weapons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Disney put out a little clip uh, day in the life of a stormtrooper. And in, in that um, procession scene where we're all standing, they gave they gave me firstly a small, um, I think it's an E-11 blast, I can't remember, but you guys will probably correct me, it's probably something. No, I think you're right, the regular Stormtrooper blaster, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but um, I, I don't know, uh, I think it's a blast, E-11 e blast, so I'm not 100% sure. But um, I had that first, but then uh, I think the director said, uh, give, give me... And this other guy standing next to me, these big, massive guns. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't want that big gun uh, for myself because then you, it's heavy. Um, <laughs> but the other chap was really dancing. He said, oh, yeah, look at me now. I've got this big gun. And oh. I said, well, to him, they, I said, do you want me to say that in a few, few minutes? <laughs> and, uh, and afterwards, it got so difficult for us to catch carry those guns around our necks uh, in the parade. We had to, like, hold them. They, they, they brought us stools because we were, like, almost falling over in the heat. And oh. So every time they shot cut, they would bring the stools, but then they had to take the stools away. So that went on for a while. And then uh, towards the end, uh, one of the other troopers, uh, there was a couple of, there was one female stormtrooper there as well in that in that scene and um and i think she kind of I, I knew her so she i think she told someone that uh, hey, look over there <laughs> one trooper who's gonna like fall over and i think it was me because i was like getting heat exhaustion so uh in the end um and with the weight of that uh, that gun so and then i returned that gun and um told him uh, the the armory guy hey, uh, I really need a small gun. I can't. I can't handle this. It's too heavy because uh, you have to hold that for so long around your neck. And in the end, he told me, "I'm really sorry. I gave you the hero weapon, which is made of metal." <laughs> uh, and uh, and then he gave me that one, but that was just as heavy. So I said, "No, no, please. Let me just have the small gun." So he gave me the small gun. Um, and then all the others gave back their guns. Only one kept the big gun. It was like three or four of us. So they all returned their gun because it was heavy. Yeah. So, uh, so when I've learned from my experience of being on set, you always sometimes take the, <laughs> the lightest. If you're playing a reporter, you take a small little little recorder. You don't want to be lumbered with a big, massive uh, 
video recorder or something because you're going to be filming for hours and you have to carry that around on your shoulder. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I always go for the smallest prop if I can manage it. <laughs> If you're ever in an orchestra, you're playing the triangle, right? <laughs> yes. Triangle <laughs> has got its place in the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, the big question, the big question is, will you come back to ICCC 2019 in September? I'd have to say 100%. Yes. yes. <laughs> definitely, definitely be there. Perfect. Um, when you pause there, I got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> build the tension. <laughs> but, um, like like all movies, they build up the tension and then they, they suck it. Yes, I'd love to. Um, if I'm invited, I'll. You're of course this. invited, brother. I got nothing but great reviews about you, and the people love you, and I'd love to have you back. So I'm excited, and I'll definitely reach out and get you all contracted up. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug um, at the end of this? An upcoming convention, uh, convention thing that you're doing, or a movie appearance, or anything like that? Um, I just like everyone to just go and uh, look at my stuff, what I've done, uh, support me on uh, Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, and also look up my IMDb Burn Colasso and um, just support me uh, best you can, and uh, I will support you the best I can. And I'll put those links for everybody listening. I'll put those links right below this podcast where I have it posted up on imperialcommissary.com. Perfect, Burn. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate your time. You're really a great guy, and I'm really happy we're friends. Uh, next time, uh, next time you're making a Star Wars movie, though and they need a giant 6'8 person to be whatever, I don't care if they put me in a suit and put me in 150 degree heat, I'll bring a, I don't know, washcloth. But, you mentioned my name, you got my number. I will, I will definitely mention your name if uh, there's a role uh, that, um, that is open and up for grabs. <laughs> for a Star Wars giant, you'll be like, I know the guy. <laughs> yes. And there is only one Star Wars giant. <laughs> That's it. Cool, brother. Well, I appreciate it so much. A bit like um, like, uh, like the tall guy plays um, um, Chewy. Uh, there's only a couple of people who can uh, that height. Yep. So, uh, they just all right. So if Chewy gets into his elder years and puts on a pot belly, <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect, Vern. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Mike. And I look forward to the September convention. Perfect. We'll see you in September. Bye-bye. What an incredibly fun interview with Byrne, and we got to figure out what it's really like to be a stormtrooper. So that's awesome. Um, I just wanted to make a comment before I tie up the show here for this this episode, the 11th episode of I See Star Wars. I uh, put up a post on the Imperial Commissary. I want to talk a little bit about how in order to grow this hobby, we all have to work together. We're all looking for the same thing. We're all trying to get towards one goal. And uh, the way to work together is whenever you see anybody that you can help out in any way, do it. Um, whether they ask you or not, because most people don't ask. Uh, my friend David Quinn sent me a link to his podcast. His podcast is uh, Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Um, and he sent me a link to his podcast. He's like, would you mind listening to it? I said, absolutely. And, uh, cause he's a good friend of mine and I listened to it and it's incredible. It's extremely well done. So much better than this thing that I'm putting out. 
<laughs> but uh, what I did is I wrote a post after I listened to the first episode there, and I wrote a post and said on the Imperial Commissary, and I said, David Quinn has a brand spanking new podcast, way better than mine. Very nice and PG so you can listen with the family. He is incredibly articulate and a random podcaster like me cannot imagine the amount of time and effort and editing it must have taken to, for production value like this in a podcast. I wrote that to uh, just to the IC members, give them something to listen to. He wrote me back saying thank you, and he didn't need me to do that. And I said, I know, man, but it's a really good thing. And these kind of things are what grow the hobby. And just as a pure example of how much this has grown the hobby, the first comment on this thread was from Dave Moore. And Dave Moore said to me that he missed the IC Star Wars podcast. Um, I gave it a heart. You know, it, it really... It made me feel. And uh, then the next one was, I just subscribed. Galaxy is Toys is what got me into collecting men on card figures. Uh, that was Rock uh, said that. Clifton Boggs, looking forward to listening. Um, and then Cameron Kiff, Kiffmeyer. Cameron Kiffmeyer said, fantastic podcast. It's a personal journey as well as an audio guide to collecting for newcomers. Looking forward to future episodes. And then Ross Barr will check it out. Nicely done, Dave. Ray Schilling says, I will check this out Monday. By the way, Michael Havens, your podcast, what brought me here? Good stuff. Uh, Brian Angel, subscribed. Awesome, man. Richard Hutchinson from uh, the Vintage Rebellion podcast. Cool. I will check it out. Charlie Lord says, top of the library. Um, Sky Payne, awesome. Checking out the Chewy episode now. And then uh, Sky Payne, great show. I posted a link on the Chivecast page at all. Uh, uh, Sky Payne is the SWCA podcast, the Chivecast podcast podcast and uh they're really great too um and he writes it was interesting to hear your story i find the early stages of collecting to be fascinating uh needs more chewy though and then david quinn writes back sky the podcast you and steve created was my biggest inspiration for creating this podcast through the Chivecast, i first learned the inventions of of events like ice celebration and room sales and about collectors, I happily call friends today. Thank you for your support and for your kind words and for sharing the link on the Chivecast page. Uh, Sky writes back, thank you for the kind words. Sometimes it can be hard to know if a podcast ever has a positive impact. So knowing that you helped inspire you is definitely nice to hear. That is also a way to encourage you to keep going in the event that you ever feel no one is listening. They are. They just might not tell you. These kind of things, and then Brian Parsham right down the bottom goes, listening to it today on the train to the ride to work. Really good. Here's the thing. If you know the Star Wars collecting community, all the people on this thread usually are not the closest of friends. They all are nice to each other, and we all like each other, and we all definitely respect the different things that we do. But without that podcast, I would have never made the post. Without that post, I would not be recording this. Without the people commenting on this post, his podcast would not grow, which is a phenomenal podcast. It's a next level. It's unbelievable the amount of production value there is. And these people that are commenting are the Vintage Rebellion podcast and the Chivecast and big people in the community. And they all are talking about working together to bring what we do into the future and that they're always willing to help that they're always willing to listen and that's the thing sometimes we get very confused and we think that people don't like this or they don't like that or they got this grudge against this or they got this grudge against 
99% of the people in this hobby are in this hobby to grow this hobby. They may not like all the things that you do. You may not like all the things that they do. As long as they're not selling repro, though, we're all trying to build the same thing. So when I see little things like that, that are a spark that lights that fuse, that brings that connection, that starts that fire, that creates something amazing, those are the most special times for me in this hobby. And I couldn't be... Uh, I couldn't be more humbled than when I got to listen to that when he sent me the link. Because it was somebody who obviously knows what he's doing. Because it's great. Asking me for my opinion for what? What do I know about podcasting? Listen to this. <laughs> so, go and listen to it. His name is David Quinn, and it is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. You can find it on iTunes. Um, go look it up. It is, uh, it's cool. It has the uh, race car, uh, racetrack piping on the Star Wars logo with prototypes and production written in the middle there. Um, check it out. It's on iTunes. I will definitely put the links in the, the comments on here. And here's the thing. If you ever get it in your brain that you might want to do a podcast, do a podcast. If you ever get it in your brain, you want to do a Star Wars group, do a Star Wars group. If you want to do a convention, do a convention. The only thing stopping you, the only thing stopping you is you. And anyone can do it and anyone can do it if they put in the time, the effort, and they work with the community to grow the community. So help out a friend. Even if you have limited knowledge, I guarantee you that limited piece of knowledge is going to help somebody else. So share it and uh, come to meetups, come to parties, come to celebration and visit with your collecting friends. Come to ICCC and have the best time of your life. No. <laughs> Well, it's the one I'm throwing. I got to pitch it. But um, I am very thankful for all the folks that reached out over time, over the time of the podcast hiatus. And I couldn't be happier to be back. And there will be more. I can't promise you how frequently, but can you promise how frequently a Star Wars movie can come out? <laughs> but uh, those aren't going to end anytime soon, and I'm not going anywhere. So, And since Burn isn't a collector... And uh, since I didn't have a collector on besides me this week, I will be the one giving the ICSW Pearl of Wisdom, the IC Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom. Um, I have a very easy one, and it's about what I just talked about. And uh, the Pearl of Wisdom is help your fellow collector. If you plan on doing this for the rest of your life, <laughs> like, uh, like I do, you have to be kind to your fellow collector. You have to listen to what they have to say. Um... Also, help them out whenever you can. If you have something, if you have some knowledge, um, always share it. Always help. Always teach. And always learn. And sometimes that's the hardest one for us to remember is the learn part. The IC Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom this week is teach, help, learn. Well then, go listen to my buddy David Quinn and his new podcast, Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Here's a little intro to it. I highly suggest it. Go check it out. From Coruscant to Tatooine, and every planet in between, Star Wars 
That's all you get from me. <laughs> Go check it out. It's really, really amazing. Um, he has a whole bunch of episodes already. Go check it out. Please, please, please. Uh, prototypes and production. Anyway, uh, I am going to get out of here. I got a lot of stuff to do today. I got to do some stuff for the con. I got to go lock down the tables. I got to also start working on the uh, the patch and the emblem for uh, IC Star Wars Celebration. Oh, um, we're going up to Celebration. There will be an IC meetup. If you go to the top of the IC, click under events. Uh, there's two right now. There's one coming up in Vegas. So that'll be the 21st of this month. And then the next one will be coming up at Celebration. That's April... I think it's 11th through the 15th or something like that, but don't quote me on it. I'm just going off the top of my head. Um, but anyway, it'll be on that Friday at Celebration, and uh, we're going to be bringing it over to a authentic um, one-mile-away uh, pizzeria. And uh, at that pizzeria, you can get Chicago deep-dish pizza, and we will have shuttles going back and forth to the convention center, to the Hyatt, so you won't have to bother parking or driving or anything. Um, and if you do drive, there will be free parking places at the... Uh, the pizza place for the IC meetup. So if you need anything, go click on that. Find me. My name is Mike Havens, but you already know that or else you wouldn't have stuck around for an hour and a half. Don't forget to find me all over social media at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. www imperialcommissary.com that's our actual website you could find the other 20 facebook groups there check me out on musiccityhavens.com uh, i don't really use it anymore but i used to have some things up for sale a billion years ago and uh also check out www.icnashville.com i'm really proud of that one that is for the convention i will see you in september if not i will see you before that at celebration in april if not i will see you before that in vegas and if not sell me a boba fett and i'll see you whenever you want thank you for listening to ic star wars a podcast for collectors by collectors